Please rise for the reading of the Holy Word. Verse, and the scripture is taken from Genesis chapter 1, reading verses 28 to 30. And I'm just going to start with verse 27 so you get the context. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole world all earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. The word of the Lord. I'll stop moving for a moment. I'm sure if anyone was napping, you're not anymore. Are we good? Do me to turn this one? Okay. Well, this morning I would like to introduce uh, a conversation with our, within our church that I believe has a significant impact on how we live our lives and how we experience Jesus on a day-to-day basis. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'd like to explore this idea of stewardship and what that looks like for us as a church. And as I was preparing this message and processing it over the last few weeks, it became really apparent to me very quickly that stewardship bleeds into almost every aspect of our lives, where most of us would easily identify certain areas of our lives and say, yeah, that's a stewardship area. We think of time or money and we say, yeah, that's, those are stewardship areas. Well, in other areas of our lives, we may not necessarily realize or consider the fact that certain areas like relationships or spiritual gifts are also areas of stewardship. And if you're like me as well, maybe over the next few couple of weeks, you might discover, you know what, I'm doing some things really, really well in the area of stewardship. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this really effectively. But you also might realize there's maybe a few little pockets of your life that you need to tighten up a little bit, sharpen up a bit, and, and you can improve on. And that certainly has been my experience uh, over the last couple of weeks as I've been processing this series and thinking about what that looks like and realizing, boy, am I the right person to preach this, these series of messages? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that, that I struggle with in this, in this area of stewardship. And so you need to know that I come sharing this message not as someone who has this topic of stewardship figured out, but as someone who is kind of stubbing their toes along the way, trying to sort it out as, a per, as an individual, but also as a family. Now typically, as I've said, when we think of stewardship, many of us think of it in the context of money. 
And we think of it in giving or tithing, and we think that's, and, 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 and stewardship has almost become synonymous with finances in the church. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, though, I tried to be really careful to avoid language that implied that stewardship was strictly a money issue. It's not. But what we find is that money is just one piece of the puzzle that makes up the larger picture of stewardship. How we spend our money. How we tithe. Who we give our money to. Who, who we don't give our money to. It's the possessions we own. It's the, it's the things we have. It's our, it's our home or our phone, our pets, our clothing, our headpieces. Jeff. But stewardship can also be how we spend our time. Are we productive with our time? Who do we spend our time with? It's also our work and our rest. How well do we work? Do we, are we efficient in the workplace? Do we enjoy it? Do we take holidays? Do we practice Sabbath? Do I live a healthy lifestyle? It's our relationships. How do I engage with the people around me in a positive way? Who do I have in my life that speaks life into me? Who do I have in my life that I can speak life into them? How do I make the most out of my marriage? How do I make the most out of my singleness? How do I make the best use of my time with the friends and family that I have around me? It's our skills and abilities. How do I use the strengths that I have with purpose? How do I use my gifts that God has given, me, given to me appropriately? Do I use my abilities for myself or to bless others? And what a great example that Tegan set for us today so that we could be blessed by her gifts. Even our attitudes and temperaments can be stewarded. And these are, these are just a few of the puzzle pieces that make up what stewardship is. And in many ways, stewardship can be boiled down to, to three words, our time, treasures, and talents. However, I hope that what we discover throughout the next few weeks is that stewardship is in many ways an expression of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. How do we use the things that God has given us to follow Jesus? to point others towards him. Stewardship, though, at its root, is about management. Stewardship is about how well we manage the different areas of our lives to fulfill God's purpose with the things that God has provided for us. Whether it's money, possessions, relationships, health, attitudes, our work, school, leisure, activities, how we parent, our experiences at church. And the list can go on and on but the first example that we see in Scripture of stewardship starts right at the very beginning, Genesis 1:28, where we see the creation account recorded. See, at this point, up to the first 27 verses, days one through five have transpired, and on this sixth day, everything else has been created. And God recognized in his creation that it was good. And God, and yet God in his infinite wisdom gives this very first instruction to Adam. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
How incredible is that? That God spent the first six days creating all of, this, all of these things. And he, asse- he looks over and assesses it all and says to Adam, you're in charge now. And he says, it's all yours. Now, in about three years from now, my oldest daughter, Abigail, will be turning 16. And I know that when that happens, that she is going to be chomping at the bit to get her license and inevitably want to drive the car. And I can already feel the anxiety inside of me, thinking about handing over those keys. Yet, there is something, something in me that is excited for, about the opportunity for her to discover a new layer of maturity and trust within our family. And so as we read this passage from Genesis 1, in this moment, as God says, see all of this? You are to subdue it. You are to rule over it. It's, and it all seems like it's all part of God's larger plan. It is almost like he, he's created all of this for Adam to enjoy and take care of. And God surveyed, every, surveyed it all, and he says, here you go. You're in charge of it. Now, is that all he's saying? Well, I want to unpack this particular verse, verse 28, because I think there's some things in here that when we understand what is happening, that we begin to get a larger picture of what is the larger picture of stewardship that he's teaching us. And so the first directive that, that God gives to humanity in this moment is actually the same as he gives animals in day five. Be fruitful and multiply, and then in a similar vein, fill the earth. He actually gives that same instruction to the animals. It's consistent with humanity as well. But then he, the next instruction that he gives is very, very specific to Adam. And I think it's critical to our understanding of stewardship. He says, subdue it. It, meaning the earth, subdue the earth and rule over the fish, birds, everything alive, and moving. Now, if you could bear with me for a moment, as I'm sure you've noticed, there's a giant whiteboard here. It's pretty subtle. Um, I'd like to do an exercise. If you could, would you just yell out some of the things in your life that you see with value and importance? And I'm going to write them down. Things that you see with value and importance. Children. That's a good answer. What else? Health. Health? Yeah. Church. Church. Job. Sorry? Job. Jobs, yeah. What else? Sorry, I heard some knowledge. knowledge. I heard another one on top of knowledge. Relationships. Prayer. Prayer. Abilities. Abilities, yeah. Shelter. Sharing.
I heard love and I heard something else. Now, we're going to pause here for a minute. For those of you that are married, what would you say is treasures that your spouse has? Would they be consistent with these? The reason I ask that question, I was thinking about it, I, was, I wasn't planning on asking this question until this morning, and, and I was thinking about what would my answer here be? And I think, you know, rest and love and knowledge and church and health, those are all good things. And then I thought, what would Natalie say? Probably fishing, TV, not quite so spiritual anymore. <laughs> but I, but I, so I wanted to do this exercise just because I think that there's something in this that as, as we consider what are some of the treasures, what are some of the things that we see important? Cars, pets sometimes, our, our spouse, kids, time. Maybe there's things that are just symbolic to us that are really important, like a wedding ring or a family heirloom. Or maybe it's just a concept like love or knowledge, freedom. And these, are, these things are absolutely important to us. They all fit in within the puzzle of, of stewardship that we see here. And so as we look at Genesis 1, where God has created the heavens, the earth, the plants, animals, stars, sun, moon, everything. And each time he created them, God declared that they were good, indicating some form of value and importance. And it's this instruction that we read in verse 28, where the directive that everything around us is given to humanity to govern and to manage. And God has figuratively handed the keys to the car and said, it's yours. All I have created on earth is yours to take care of. So let's take a look at what God is actually really saying here besides, figuratively, it's yours. Because there's some nuances here in the language that, that when we begin to understand it, understand what's actually happening, what God is actually communicating here, it's, it's pretty significant. And so as God says, subdue the world and rule over everything in it. Now the word that's used here is the word, as I've said, is subdued. In some, in some translations, it actually uses the word bondage. Now, the Hebrew word that's used for subdue is kibosh, which is where we get the word kibosh. An example of that would be, I want to go to the Super Bowl, but my bank account put the kibosh on that idea. It's this idea of taking control of something and becoming responsible for it. Now, unfortunately, when we, when we use the word subdued or to be enslaved, 